0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDIC. Blue Wire Podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the crossover edition. All eyes on Cleveland, Brad Ward. OBR Film Breakdown, Jake Burns. We're excited to have you guys in here. Really a busy day. Even though an off day, a busy day. I'm sure, Brad, you would agree with me on this. A lot of stuff kind of jumping around the NFL. Also, a lot of stuff, obviously, with parallels to your Cleveland Browns. We'll we'll lead off here right away, Brad. Shelby Harris comes in to visit the Browns, which is, um, you know, the first piece of information we've had about roster uh, camp reconstruction, right? So they're outside the Greenbrier, Brad. They finally have left there. This makes sense, right? You're not going to have guys kind of like when we were talking yesterday. I talked to Andrew Spade about this, where. You know, if, if a guy like Jerome Ford or and, and I think uh, at the same time, JaKeem Grant also had personal situations come up, you're not going to have him come back to the Greenbrier. You're just going to have him stay home, right? I yeah. mean, it's like getting guys to go back and forth to West Virginia is a little bit tricky. The logistics are hard. So the eight days that they spent down there, it doesn't surprise me that they didn't do any sort of roster maneuvering because it's really tricky logistically. But as you come back to Cleveland, you, you probably have a better feel than you've ever had for, we need some help here in these spots. So we got a cornerback sign today, um, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit, but we did have the big part of the day, which is that, that we're kind of, we've been sitting there thinking they might bring in a defensive tackle at some time. And it's getting to the point where I think it starts to get a little bit uneasy to do that. Cause we're, we're pushing into a little deeper into camp. So I would say, the Shelby Harris news is welcome news, but it doesn't seem like any ground was made up that like I haven't gotten any sense from the people inside the OBR or anybody connected to the situation that there's any rush from Shelby Harris to sign anywhere. I know he visited Denver just this past weekend. He's looking around. I think a lot of people wanted the Browns to have this deal, contract whatever done with him right away. It's never it's never quite like that. I mean, there, there are some situations where the first time you hear of any connection, a guy will visit that location and all of a sudden sign. But in this scenario, I actually saw that he worked out. I, I don't I don't know if that's true or not. I can't totally confirm that Aaron Wilson had said that, that he worked out. I don't know if he worked yeah. out or not, but he was there. They visited. Is this the sort of information that you want to hear right now? Is this like the thing you think is imminent that the, maybe they don't sign
0: Shelby Harris, but they do sign somebody at the position? I think it's a really good sign that the first day off they had that they were actually back home. They had somebody in at defensive tackle. I mean, that seems like a pretty uh, prominent sign that, you know, they're going to uh, at least uh, put their attention on that area and it feels like. Uh, you know, it wouldn't have even happened. I did see the workout thing, too. How true is that? I, You know, I, I don't know. Uh, it was weird because it listed the three guys with the workout and then and said, you know, Burns signed. So um, I don't know if he actually worked out or not or just visited either way. Uh, I do like the idea that, hey, you know, eight full days. Got to see a lot, uh, you know, at the Greenbrier, you know, nice, slow acclimation period. They were talking about a lot, you know, ramping things up, which is good for the players and everybody seemed in good spirits leaving there and everything. But I like that the first day home they are addressing, you know, or at least attempting to uh, from the outside looking in address um, kicking the tires on a situation that we think needs addressed, or at least I do. It totally does, and I think we've all been
1: saying it. I think the Browns wanted to go down to the Greenbrier assess it themselves. They did that. Tristan Hill got dinged up a little bit, which is this guy's history is truly that history, the same with Maurice Hurst. So they weren't blown away by anything or we wouldn't be hearing them having a meeting with Shelby Harris, or maybe they even have more meetings down the line. But to touch on Shelby Harris real quick, comes in the league seventh-round pick, 2014 Las Vegas Raiders. At that time, they were the Oakland Raiders. Does not play much in 14, doesn't play much in 15, only and. 44 snaps they actually cut him before I think before the 16 season he was a practice squad 2016 guy around the league gets a real chance in Denver in 2017 plays in Denver for five seasons and does really really well so if you look at the total pressures by season 1919 and then the last three there 28 27 32 he had two seasons of stellar sack number six in 2019 and then seven in 2021 Also, just two sacks last year, but the 30 pressures and 32 the year before that and the 500 high 500 snap range are really promising numbers to get those sorts of pressures from an interior player. He is at this moment about to turn 32 on the 11th of August, so he's going to be 32. That's why it's hard for me to think he's going there and working out as a 32 year old. It seems a little strange to me, Mm -hmm. but more than capable Uh, run defender had plenty of run stops, 23 and 21, uh, 24 and 22. Um, 2022. I should kind of delineate there the years. He's more than capable. He would be an immediate upgrade to the first line guys of like the idea of putting Jordan Elliott out there or, or, you know, at this point, the Maurice Hurst, Tristan Hill combo that you would do would maybe flirt with the idea of putting one of them out there. So I'm more than happy to sign Shelby Harris at this point. I know Jack Duffin, our our residential uh, pressure rate guru, has noted he's an 8.3 pressure percentage guy, which is a pretty strong number on the market at the time of the opening and free agency. And it's still sort of sitting out there. There are others, Matt Ioannidis still out there. Haven't heard a thing about him, which I find so weird for how good a player he is that we have not heard anything. I wouldn't be surprised, Brad, if that guy retires. Like I, I just, it's very strange what's going on there, but then in Dominican and Sue, and there are some others to flirt with, but this feels like this would be the best fit for the situation that they would need a guy to play about 500 snaps and be a productive player. So I, I like Harris. I don't know how much, time you spent looking into his history or or what he's done or any tape or anything like that but I, I'm very open to him being beside Tomlinson and then having a second group of Siaka Ika and Jordan Elliott and then kind of working in maybe a fifth guy onto the roster too that can find his way onto the field a little bit what
0: are your thoughts yeah, no. It's, it it seems like a good fit. I think initially I would have said Ionitis more. It makes it is a better fit. But like what from what we know now, like the just the absolute dead silence, radio silence from anything Ionitis uh, makes weird. it seem super strange. And, and uh, the fact that he's taking visits now with Camp left, uh, I think automatically kind of uh, jett- jettisons him to the top of the list of interesting uh, people that you want to add to this defensive line. Uh, I, I found it was interesting, you know, tried to track a little bit like, you know, the patterns and groupings they were using along the defensive line when they were in the, in West Virginia, you know, it sounded like a lot of, to your point, uh, Elliot and Tomlinson to start in base. Right. And then a lot of uh, uh, Hurst and Eka uh, second, uh, as you mentioned, Hilda, or uh, so, I, I mean, that's kind of interesting, you know, once again, going back and I hate to go back to it, but they actually, they are going to miss the presence of Perion Winfrey here a little bit like the, or just the, uh, potential ability of Perrion Winfrey. Um, because, uh, if he was healthy and in there, that would be a totally different, uh, kind of body to look at at this point. Uh, a more athletic, uh, personal, uh, guy in, that, uh, can move around on in the interior and they don't have that anymore. So this is, uh, I think it's a point that they actually probably need to address, whether it's through this way or through cuts, one way or the other. It is. It is one that
1: we've talked about. Even if they would have had Winfrey, that this is a spot that, that we certainly sure. thought they could they could go out and address. So not surprised to hear it. It is a welcome thing to hear, especially as you consider other teams. Uh, you know, look at, say, Baltimore, for example, that are, that are going out and being aggressive, yeah. trying to fill some voids. Pittsburgh bringing in um, Quan Alexander just this week, like, sorry, over the weekend. So it is something other teams in the division are doing. They're, they're gearing up for the arms race here a little bit. And uh, nothing at this point would surprise me with that stuff. So I I do, I do think they need to be aggressive here and get out in front of this. It would be really, it'd be really tough to be in season and think back, like we really missed an opportunity to upgrade this. So yeah, uh, I'm not surprised. It is good that they, they're the Browns do this. They, I feel like they, they play the slow game a little bit with this stuff at times, right? Where they're like, we're going to give the guys we signed a chance, and then if we don't like it, we'll try to go out and sign somebody. So I Which do is, think
0: – go ahead. No, I was going to say it's smart, and uh, I think it is smart, and it gives them a chance to evaluate things, and I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I, I, this it's interesting. This week has kind of been almost like that tertiary free agency, right? Like, yeah. All of a sudden, guys are going to run of this stuff gobbled up. Yeah. I mean, uh, to your point, the Quan Alexander one really stuck out to me like, man, I wish that was us. So but go ahead. Yeah,
1: no, I I, again, like to the to the general point of what they're trying to do here and something to be aware of is Shelby Harris was cut, released because he had eight million non-guaranteed dollars left on his contract. That was going to be his cap hit with Seattle. So he played really well, but Seattle's trying to trim the fat for different things that they were trying to do. And he was a, um, you know, he was just a byproduct of those those cut down situations. So he can still play more than effectively, and he would fill a nice role here. He was, like I said, I don't know what the the financial expectation is from his side. Again, coming off like having an eight million dollar cap number last year, he would not get that sort of thing here. I would imagine he would not expect an eight million dollar cap number when you know when you're this point in free agency and nobody's really been hell bent on trying to sign you at this point. So like. Um, you know, just open to the idea of them. I'm be interested what the price point is and if the Browns are going to be the top bidders, right? What you want to hear is that they were aggressive doing everything they can. You only hear them being outbid by Denver, right? Like you just don't want to hear that. So I think they need to be very aggressive with the limited market that is available at this position and how important we know it is. I don't want them to be sort of passive on this whole thing, Brad. You know, I, I would prefer to hear that, you know, the Browns made a really strong offer, but he chose to go elsewhere would be the angle that I would be hoping to hear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's repetitive at this point. I feel like you've come this far, you got to finish the roster. Don't 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 leave anything to chance. If there's something there that that can sure something up you need to take advantage of that now. Agreed. Okay,
1: moving on. Um next thing that came out, which is an annual, I think it's like a decade now Mike Sando's been doing this. Uh, I don't know if he's done it for the uh, clearly hasn't done it for the Athletic the entire time. Cuz hasn't been around for uh that long, but Uh, Sando's been putting out his own quarterback tiers, which is they take uh, 50 NFL coaches, executives are granted anonymity and they take this poll Um, this year. He said the league this year, the 50 league insiders who placed 30 veteran quarterbacks into tiers included eight general managers, 10 head coaches, 15 coordinators, 10 executives, four quarterback coaches. That's interesting four quarterback coaches and three involved in coaching analytics so that who that is who makes up and it's a really good article it just kind of goes through different tiers of quarterbacks and we'll just go through the ones up and up until deshaun watson tier one so these are your tier one guys uh according to these these uh votes the first is patrick mahomes i think tier one should just be patrick mahomes that's just me though um he had a voting average of just like a one like he was just everybody put him first. But I think that when you do that, that's probably means a guy's in tier all of, on his own. Brad. But whatever. Um, Joe Burrow is two. He he goes up a little bit. Uh, Josh Allen is three in this one. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, four, which is surprising to me. And Justin yeah. Herbert is five to round out the first tier. I don't think I'd have Aaron Rodgers in the first tier anymore. Would you? Uh
0: no I wouldn't. So in you know how they define tier 1 here right? Uh mm-hmm. tier 1 quarterback can carry his team each week. The team wins because of him. He expertly handles pure passing situations. He has no real holes in his game. So if that's the qualifications, okay sure. I, like I I agree with you. I think Mahomes is in a tier by himself. I 100% agree with you. I think he's the best quarterback. I don't think that uh, if I if I was doing this, I would just put him one by himself. But I understand that uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, sure, that to me feels like a tier. I don't. I kind of disagree with Herbert as well. I think that Rogers and Herbert are not. Uh, I don't think Herbert is as good enough yet to say that he belongs in the same tier with those top three guys. And okay. Rogers should not be there. That's my opinion.
1: I'd have Herbert in there, but it's close, right? The, the the thing that I keep going back to is that they've scored the first three seasons of a quarterback, they've scored more points than any quarterback in history. They've given up more points than any quarterback in history. So, um, just just a really weird, him. yeah. It's just a really weird set of circumstances around him. So I can understand though. He hasn't won a playoff game, and a lot of people are like I get that. I totally understand. Herbert's like the borderline tier two. To your point, I should have read tier one. Good job by you filling that blank. Tier two or quarterbacks can carry his team sometimes, but not as consistently. He can handle pure passing situations in doses and or possesses other dimensions that are special enough to elevate him above tier three. He has a hole or two in his game. So this is number six on the list. Jalen Hurts, seven, Lamar Jackson, eight, Trevor Lawrence, nine, Dak Prescott, 10, Matthew Stafford, 11, Deshaun Watson. So Sean Watson checks in 11. Here are the people that are behind him. Kirk Cousins is the last of tier two. Then you jump into tier three and these are quarterbacks, legitimate starters, not as, uh, but but there's starters that need a heavier run game and or defensive component to win. A lower volume drop back passing offense suits him best. So the guys behind him directly, because I think that obviously carries some weight here. Brad, uh, Kyler Murray's 13, Derek Carr 14, Jared Goff 15, Russell Wilson 16, Tua 17, Garoppolo 18, Daniel Jones 19, Geno Smith 20. Geno Smith 20 is a bit of a surprise to me. I think he should be higher. Certainly put him in front of Daniel Jones, Jimmy G. Yeah, those it's um, weird because
0: it's one year, right? Like, so it, it's I mean, how much do you put away? You know, I mean, is one season enough for you? Like, I will definitely believe he needs to be above 20 or, you know, lower than 20, however you want to say it. better mm-hmm. than 20. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know how far really to go. Like, I, I would still have car ahead of him. Um. It this group is weird, right? Like it is, it is weird. Justin Fields at 21. Are we sure that are we sure about that yet? Are we sure Tannehill even belongs in this group? Are we sure Mac Jones belongs in this group? Like I feel like I it's, a, it's a bunch of guys. Are you are we yeah. sure?
1: That's like a are we sure group. <laughs> tier four is is mixed with some are we sure guys. Like I think tier four is more we have no idea, either we have no idea guys or guys yeah. that they say here. It's tier four quarterbacks who could be an unproven player, not enough information for voters to classify or a veteran who ideally would not start all 17 games. So Brock Purdy's 24. Kenny Pickett, 25. Jordan Love, 26. Baker Mayfield tied for 26, I guess. Yeah. Sam Howell, 28. Desmond Ritter, 29. Gardner Minshew, 30. So I think Baker falls into the category with Gardner Minshew of this guy should not be starting 17 not be games. Starting. Yes. The rest Agreed. of the guys on this list, there are not enough information types. So I agree. that's where Baker sits going into his season. Uh, let's go through some of the things said about Watson. Um, so he, in tiers over time, Watson was in 2018 and 2019 tier two, he got up to tier one, mm-hmm. 20, 21 and 22, and then dip back now into tier two and 23. He had one tier one vote, 31 tier two votes, 17 tier three votes, and even one tier four vote, which is kind of amazing. Only Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Stafford, Derek Carr suffered greater year over year drops than Watson suffered an average tier vote. Here's a direct quote from a defensive coach. I'll tell you what, when we played him, it was bad. It was real shaky. Only Mayfield Flacco rated lower than Watson last season in EPA per pass attempt among 39 quarterbacks who threw at least 150. Yeah. Here's the quote Brad, it's a tough stat. Defensive coordinator again. Everybody thinks, okay, his rust will wear off after a couple weeks. That guy hadn't played in what a year and some change. That's a hard thing. He was one of my ones last year. I would put him as a 2 right now with the probability he'll get to 1 again. Um that one's a little quote. bit better yeah.
0: of a yeah. quote to handle. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Last last quote is that position is the hardest position to play in football and taking time away take some things away from you. A personnel director said he has a skill set that could take him back to where he was or close to it, but the game hasn't gotten slower. He's going to have to show he's able to do some of those things again. So it just sounds like a bunch of people who are like, we think he could be tier one. but he had a really ugly five games, six games. I mean, which is, which is, you know, about what it was. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm surprised by this. I mean, I'm just, I'm just glad that it is. I, I would certainly put him above Stafford. Personally, I think he'd be a 10 for me. I'd say firmly Dak, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar, Jalen Hurts in the, in the group could be in front of him. I'd be fine with that. The only one I'd have a little bit of an issue, like I said, is, is Stafford. But,
0: yeah, you know, that's, that's what I would have a problem. I have a problem with Stafford. It seems like he's always 10 on a lot of these lists here lately or 9 or 10. Him and Dak are like right there. And, and I'm okay with yeah. Dak. I can live with that. But are we sure that Stafford has anything left in his arm? I mean, I, like, I, I'm just not sure. Well, I'm not um, either. And I don't think anybody
1: uh, is. And that's why their win total is so low projected. Correct. This year.
0: Yeah. And I, I, so I don't know why he keeps showing up so high on these lists because it's like, I don't know. It Just doesn't feel, I, I don't see that as much. It, it, there's like, it's like a lot of these things are like, alike and, and one isn't here and it's Stafford. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, for the top 10 or so. So yeah, I think that that one is a little off, uh, you know, cousins, is certainly very good and better than the guys I think in the tier below him, so I can live with that. The Watson stuff—it's t- you know some tough stats in there. The quotes are are accurate though, and 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 I think that eleven—I don't, I can't, I'm not gonna, I can't slam my fists and scream about eleven. That seems like pretty fair when you're counting his body of work before versus six games after two years off. If you were trying to put that into some sort of a, uh, mathematic equation, 11 seems right.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think 11 seems more than fair
0: given what's yes. happened, chance to go up and a chance to fall back a tier
1: If he, uh, if he doesn't figure it out again. So, um, yeah, that feels right. We're going to take a break and then we have some more, um, some more stuff to get to around the NFL a little bit. And then, and then kind of some things that tie into the Brown. So, uh, we'll come back from the break and, chat some more NFL football. We'll be right back.
0: And we are back uh, with the crossover edition. As usual, Jake Burns, Brad Ward, All Eyes on Cleveland, the OBR film breakdown. Uh, Just got done uh, breaking down Mike Sando's tears and uh, talking some Shelby Harris. Let's dive into today, Jake. We got a little bit of uh, uh, an interesting little uh, tidbit, I'll call it, uh, Mm -hmm. as the Browns unofficially official. How do you want to call it? Un- the unofficial, official uh, depth chart here uh, from the Browns. And it uh, looks a little different than in years past. Uh, so, uh, some things maybe to glean from this. And one, they list four wide receivers in their starting group. And uh, you and I, uh, in a quick, deep dive, were able to. Uh, Uncover that in the past that had been two tight ends listed as starters for years here Mm -hmm. uh, under the Stefanski regime. Um, And uh, there's some other things we'll go through, but uh, you know, the one that jumps out to me a little bit, I'll mention right off the top here, and we can also talk about the wide receivers and the change of format here. But you know, Jakeem Grant listed as your kick returner, punt returner with uh, Jerome Ford as the second-string kick returner, Diamond Bills jones as your second-string punt returner. He was very good in punt return last year, and then Darden as your third-string. Now, I know Darden got dinged, and Grant is coming back, but Darden, to me, feels like a superior wide receiver, and uh, that feels wrong to me. Now, I don't necessarily think they're shooting for accuracy on this. Probably um, maybe like the depth chart that uh, causes the least amount of ruckus. Would oh. that be the best way to do it. Friction reducing, maybe Yes, oh. friction reducing uh, depth chart, uh, you know, like what can we put on this depth chart? That's going to cause the least amount of stories mm-hmm. or people to question. So I think Jakeem grant may do that for some people, but for me, it, it kind of makes me think that doesn't feel right to me. Now you mentioned some things off air, Uh, about why that may maybe does make sense you want to talk about that
1: yeah i think i think it's understandable that if they're looking to replace goodwin's sort of burning presence maybe six seven vertical routes a game that threaten the defense to have to at least respect it you can talk yourself into a little bit of understanding why at this point they would like a veteran like jakeem grant right they want to maybe you know they're all about solidifying you know, solidifying things in the punt return game, among other aspects. Like I could see them preferring Jakeem Grant if he's all the way back and healthy. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think I even took him on a projection on yesterday's show around like who I think is gonna make the roster. Like I just wouldn't, if they keep six receivers, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I think they could keep Jalen Darden. Um now his injury sort of situation is not helping anything, right? Yeah. You know, availability, especially when you're trying to make a roster is pretty paramount, but Uh, I see like there's an idea that they kept Jakeem Grant around after an Achilles injury. There's there's quite clearly a preference. Maybe it's Bubba Ventrone really likes him and wants to work with him. You know, he could have he could have a really large say in that. So, you know, I also went through that exercise of talking about why teams might not keep three quarterbacks right off the bat, right? They've never done it anyway. And it was a really, really rare circumstance that led to putting in that rule. And to me, it feels like that rule is going to be applied by teams more in the playoffs when when you're just trying to prepare for every crazy possible scenario not necessarily in season when you're trying to like make roster structures work for you all the time so like i just uh i think it's a little less black and white than we want it to be so i'll just say i think there's a chance that they end up keeping seven receivers and jakeem is uh certainly a guy that i think it's it's a possibility that they end up they end up keeping around maybe to the surprise of some people who have sort of written him off and, and i understand why we would i mean You know, I think Donovan's been a really, he started to come on as a punt returner. Is like, is his knee really there? But I think with Goodwin out, I think you can convince yourselves that he can kind of cure some of those situations where you had this idea that you could use Marquise on these, this, this certain number of routes, right? Like this, this, like, we'll use them five to seven routes a game to do these very esoteric things. And you could still get some of that
0: from Jakeem Grant in their mind on on top of the punt return stuff. Do you think, um, is he that much better? is there is there any give and take to you cuz for me like I, my only pushback is that and and you can't really do it right now to your point that Darden is hurt and but like i think Darden is probably a better receiver than him mm-hmm. um and he can i think he can probably run those same routes is he is 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 grant that much more of an elite returner than than Darden that that probably cancels it out or do you think this is just a pretty close battle all the way through
1: I think it's a close battle all the way through. I think it's the one that I mean Jakeem Grant has been to Pro Bowls for the role. He's done clearly done better things. But I I sure. I, don't, I, I think Jalen Darden's has a natural knack for it, wrote it up when they claimed him and when they brought him over here. Like he can yeah. he can do some of those things. Yeah. Again, it's just a matter of when they look at the money. Does that make sense? Right? Yep. Does, does everything align there? And and I think that as a wide receiver group that I I think at this point has five pretty concrete names attached to the room. You're sort of looking like, where's the camp battle? Well, I think that's camp battle, Darden or Jakeem Grant, right? There's a possibility they keep both, but that smells like the biggest camp battle to me. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting one to see how it shakes out. And uh, and it could be relative to who's available, to be completely honest with you. I mean, if if like if Darden's just not going to be around because of injury, then it's it's Shaquem's to claim, right? So. Um, yeah, it's because I hope we get a, a battle there because I, I I like to see what what Darden can do because I I really liked him coming out of North Texas so um yeah. I just would he be said- interested in that.
0: He's had a pretty good minicamp in OTA so far, too, as well uh, from from glimpses that we've seen, it feels like, uh, offensively. So another interesting thing here, you know, they've got Mond as their third string quarterback, as you're mentioning the mm-hmm. quarterbacks in DTR. It's the fourth string, and the, I don't put really much stock into that, but Mond, I guess, did have a really good day, I guess, late in camp uh, before they left it, or, and looked pretty good. So uh, you think this is the Mond DTR show at the Hall of Fame game? Yeah, I do. I think
1: Mond is gonna. I don't. I don't know. Did they announce who's gonna start? I. I, I don't even know. Not yet. Um. So. Yeah, I think they'll just give them each a half. Is kind of the yeah. the thought process yeah. around this one. So they'll both get a half, and we'll see. I mean, I'm not surprised that they would say, "Hey, we're just gonna keep the rookie below the guy who's been here a little bit longer." So I'm not like, uh, and I'm not saying you are either, but just like not putting stock into that at all. And I, I mean, it to me, is obvious that DTR is gonna be here in some capacity. It's whether they keep three quarterbacks or. Uh, with that new rule or they decide to go to and just make him the backup that's mm-hmm. it to me so um yeah that that's just sort of the angle at least in my opinion so he's going to get a chance and I'll, it'll be really fun to watch two really athletic quarterbacks and sort of how they're going to fit kevin's going to fit his offense around what those guys can do because it's a little bit of a predictive model for what they're going to do with you know with with um But Deshaun at some point, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. Anything else jump out here you want to hit on uh, before we switch over to some around the NFL stuff? I don't think so. I think that covers everything. I mean, there weren't really any other surprises.
1: Uh, A lot of the starters listed in the the structure of the uh, um, depth chart are about as expected. I think there's a little bit of a tweak at some of the guys where they're aligning a safety. But again, you have to remind... This is not an official from Kevin Stefanski's depth desk depth chart. This right. comes from the media team doing their best. They might get some hints from coaches, but they do their best to put that together. So it's not like they're going downstairs and taking a, a, a legal pad and like writing down the depth chart that they see on the board somewhere or some some <laughs> shit like that. So it's just their best guess based on what they see, and like they'll they'll probably nudge some coaches or get get a, get a question asked. But there's also probably some coaches would just say, piss off, leave me alone or something like that. So yeah. it's always an end working. It's not in a hundred percent official guess. depth chart. Yeah.
0: Good luck. Go guess, go guess at it. Uh, all right, let's, um, uh, we So, we've got some stuff uh, going on around the league. Uh, of course, continuing at running back. Uh, so, Dalvin Cook uh, visited with the Jets. It seemed like he was going to sign there. Uh, and then, you know, uh, there's a lot going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. Uh, it, it seems like the the owner over there in Indianapolis, uh, Jim Ursay, uh, is kind what of. What a guy. All of Jim Ursay's. rocker completely.
1: <laughs> well, all these old <laughs> tweets from like 2010, 11, where he was. You know, I don't, he could still be a coked out, crazy human. I mean, it seems pretty crazy anyway, but just yeah. tweeting about like cocaine usage and stuff like that has been pretty, pretty fascinating to see those get unearthed again.
0: What a guy. Uh, it's true. Uh, yeah. So some, some really uh, thrilling quotes about his precious running back, Jonathan Taylor, that he apparently cares so much about. Uh, and then, um, you know, Taylor, I feel, is maybe overplaying this, not not playing this well either. Uh, I, I think both sides are kind of screwing this up a little bit, Jake, mm-hmm. um, On in that one. Um, nobody's really winning there, I think. It's kind of a screaming match into a wall right now. But, uh, you know, and then uh, with this stuff, uh, as far as Dalvin Cook goes, do you think he ends up with the Jets? Hard to say. I mean... He if that's the only visit he gets, I would be
1: surprised. I feel like he's not in a hurry to sign anywhere. You know, I don't think these guys who have been around um a significant number of camps are always the most eager to go out and sign somewhere. So, you know, you know, I don't think he minds yeah. missing another week of camp or something like that. I think you you obviously make the Jets the betting favorite and you say that just because he's not been anywhere else. There has been no inkling of yes. a signing, right? I think that it was Sony Michelle just retired and la and they signed um they signed a veteran i didn't even know i didn't really know much about it there wasn't like any interest in any of these other bigger names i can't really think of who it is off the top of my head right now but they went out, royce freeman sorry they yeah. went out and signed him so yep. um the market is still slow even though we've seen some like we've seen some recent injuries the the market is still pretty slow for some of the bigger name guys that we've sort of been tracking out there we still have no smell of cream hunt we have like this situation in seattle where both kenneth walker and zach charbonnet the rookie are are dinged up there's been no connection to any more names out that direction there have been um who else i hear there was somebody else that's dealing i mean obviously the colts we're going to talk about the Colts. i mean, we are talking about them but they not not just jonathan taylor like uh, i think someone which one of them evan hall broke his arm uh, yep. or moss broke his arm i think moss broke Mossed. his arm so yeah like they're dealing with a plethora of them. and Again, we've heard no other name be mentioned. So I don't know, man, the running back stuff is weirder than ever. I feel like we're in the twilight zone for that position, but I would guess that the jets are, you know, I guess. And I wouldn't even think that the jets would be that interested in someone like Dalvin cook because Brees halls, everything you hear is he's, he's coming back really well from this injury. And they have like the guy we're going to talk about here, Michael Carter. Like there was this idea that he's, you know, he's a, a pretty capable backup to me at least. So, I don't know, man. Jets are weird. It's a
0: weird thing to figure out. It is weird, uh, you know, um, and and to tie that back to the Browns, as you kind of did there, there was some mention, and I think it was pretty much pure speculation, but some mention that Carter would would be a good, and it's it's a good thought, could be a good, uh, you know, pass-catching third back for the Browns uh, if – you know, uh, domino one knocks over domino two and right. And et cetera. So, uh, with cook and and the jets and everything, and they want to depart, you know, part ways with Carter or whatever. Um, more than anything, you know, you look at this depth chart, once again, kind of tying it back to that at running back, you know, Felton there as the third running back. And I think you, you kind of said it best when you, you said earlier, you know, when we were talking that, you know, just probably the, the the third running back is probably just not here yet.
1: Odds are high. I didn't think um, I didn't think Kevin gave a real vote of confidence around Demetric and like just flirted with the idea. Again, yeah. referenced this yesterday. Flirted with the idea of potentially moving him back to receiver if they needed to in a crunch in, in the Greenbrier, which I totally understand. That's probably a, a nothing throwaway comment, but. You would like to hear some vote of confidence around, like, yeah, we are not doing that. We're just going to keep him as a running back. We really think he's got a future here. Excited about his his uh you know ability to to play for us this year at that position, so on and so forth. But you didn't get any of that from him, so uh, you start to just wonder like what the future is for him at, at, at any position. And with that comes like, yeah, there's quite a abundance of of what seem to be now pretty affordable uh, running backs out there that they could potentially either add on the waiver wire when the season. Preseason ends, as we know, the preseason is a little different than it's ever been. So there'll be probably an influx of uh, opportunities to bring in a running back of some kind if they want. And I, I think that you have to just say like the odds are pretty high that that they're going to end up, um you know, going to go out and get somebody to be that third back. I, I, I just don't think you could feel comfortable at this point with believing that Felton is just a lock to be in that spot. now if he has a great preseason over the next. Like if the Browns get four games, if he has a great four games, then maybe. But at this point, you know, I think if you're a betting person on this sort of random thing, uh, it would it would be pretty low.
0: So this whole running back thing, last thing, we'll hit on this tier tonight, and we, this would probably be a good one to wrap up on. Ultimately, everything that's going on right now, and it's crazy, this whole running back thing has gotten out of control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clearly. But ultimately, as long as Nick Chubb doesn't fall off, physically this could end up helping the Browns keep him around at a cheaper rate in the long run. Joe Mixon is
1: the, is the footprint here, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: I just don't think the running backs are in any position to bargain. Like, Hey, do you want to be like, do you want to be cut? We can cut you or we can restructure your contract in a super team friendly way. I mean, that's just they're (laughs) They're in a really bad
0: spot, man. Like it's not, it's not good. And looking at Mixon as that, to your point, like, oh, I can go out on the open market where nobody's going to value me the same as the team that I already play for is going to value me. Like, you are you know, as a running back that's been with a team for X amount of years, you're going going to be valued more by the team that already has you and already knows how to use you. Um, And he took that pay cut smartly for him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because – a lot of people would have been like, no way I'm worth 10 million. I'm going out there. And I kind of thought he was that guy. Right. But somebody got in his ear and told him to take the pay cut and stay there because that was the smart thing to do. Cause if he goes out on the open market, he's not getting that amount of money. There's no way. So I just think that, um, it kind of plays into the Browns Hill hands a little bit. It's not really fair. Uh, I thought Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb's comments were interesting. Um, but, this is the the what they collectively bargained and, and here we are. So I drive yeah. Can't redo the
1: CBA for one position. They're gonna have to look at addressing Great. it in the future. It's just gonna it's just Great. it is sort of a, a market inefficiency that
0: teams have exploited here. And you know, what are you gonna yeah. do, man? This is why we get these wild uh, flants of uh trying to gain leverage from one side or the other from the tailors and stuff, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just a one wild uh, game of of trying to uh, gain leverage on the other side and, and it's ending up in some be- poor decision-making I think for some out there. So
1: I would agree very, very firmly think that the decision-making around it is just uh, from both sides and the comments from both sides are they're They're not a part of the solution right now, right? <laughs> that's not, that's no, no one's not, helping it. And the Taylor thing off, is is right, evident. Yeah. yeah Taylor, Taylor thing is in, oh, it's just a, it's just a mixture of rough time, right? Around what's going on right now. And, um, and and just people with you know egos, and it's not yes. it's not it's not in a good spot. It's in a, it's in a really bad spot right now, for sure.
0: All right, listen, we have uh, it's game week, man. There's game on Thursday, Hall of Fame game. Uh, any uh, parting words here before we get out of here, Jake? Uh, as we uh, look towards uh, uh, first uh, preseason game zero, as Kevin Stefanski called it, putting so much value in it no excited to watch it i just always like watching the hall of fame game because it's in
1: canton right and you just you're just really super familiar with the area and and uh, seeing nfl teams there it's kind of fun to me uh, to see nfl teams there so uh in, in my opinion seeing the browns back there for the first time since 99 is gonna be really fun so excited about it from that angle for sure and uh, we'll, we'll do some previews and there'll be plenty of stuff up at the obr where we write about this but um you know, I it just—it's—it's it's like the kid. So it's just a weird little kickoff of football
0: actually happening. It's actually on TV. It's a big production, and oh yeah, yeah. it's back, right? So pretty cool. It's back, it's back. and then uh, you know, it's written down and circled on my calendar with a big red heart. Uh, the the week after that, I get to see you again, Jake. As uh, we'll be in Canton for Fantasy Football Expo. Can't wait.
1: Fantasy football nerds should, should try to get to this thing, man. The OBR is gonna have a presence. We can talk Browns fantasy options. Let's do it. Uh,
0: booth booth number twenty four. Nick Chubb number twenty four. Uh, Wasn't F- an F- accident.
1: F- they gave us that number. Okay.
0: It that way. Uh, so yeah, go to uh, fantasyfootballexpo.com. Get your tickets. Come see us. We'll be there. Uh, any any other uh, anything else before we get out of here? Not a thing. Good show. Appreciate your time, Brad. You know that. I know that, and I appreciate you, sir. Uh, I'm back from vacation; feels good. No more. It's all. I'm locked in now. I'm telling you, I'm locked in now, Jake. All Guys, locked watch in. out. You heard it. Uh, yep. Yep. All right. Uh, game on Thursday. This has been a uh, joint collaboration crossover event between All Eyes on Cleveland and the OBR Film Breakdown, and everybody over at the OBR uh, for Jake Burns. I am Brad Ward. Have a lovely evening.